if you lose expertise and evidence and, and professionalism, something horrible goes wrong quick. But here's the challenge in that. The challenge in that is the anti-vaxxers are really actually doing pretty well with mobilizing people around their message in a way that health professionals aren't. Change requires the application of power. The way in which individuals can accrue that power has shifted in our digitally connected world. Traditional ways of influencing change in healthcare, getting a chief executive on side, having a quiet chat with the medical director, are not the only ways to build a momentum. I'm Duncan Jarvis, multimedia editor for the BMJ. And this week, I was at the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare. There, along with Kat Chatfield, our quality editor, and Greta McClatchen, our editorial registrar, sat down to talk to Henry Timms, one of the keynote speakers. Henry is author of New Power, which describes these ways in which traditional power structures have changed. He told us how much of his thinking on these power structures has come from healthcare and gave some thoughts on ways in which doctors, nurses, patients, anyone else who wants to, can start changing the way care is delivered. Uh, So I'm Henry, I'm the co-author of the book New Power, which is trying to dig into a lot of the questions that I think are on all of our minds, whether we're in healthcare or whether we're in the academic world or the business world or the political world, something feels different, right? It feels like there's something has kind of changed. The the, the, the basics just feel that they're, they're not as they were. And so we were trying to, my colleague Jeremy Hymans and I, we were really trying to dig into that and say, okay, what's really changing in the world? And, and the answer we came up with was this, which was the way to think about the the kind of crazy and chaotic world that we are now living in is what's really shifting is not technology, but power. The, the way you get things done is changing. And so we have this idea of, of old power and new power. So old power, this will be very familiar to many people in the health system. Old power is that kind of top-down, command and control, leader-driven, like, you know, I've got the answers and the world should accept them approach to exercising power. And new power is something which is very different. In a world where we all have this kind of hyper-connectivity, new power is made by many. It's about really what you upload, not what people download. It's about much more distributed types of power. And so with those two lenses, old power and new power, you can start to kind of think about how the world is changing. So you look to... Some of the great, um, let's take some of the great political successes of our times, whether you like them or not. Look at the rise of of Barack Obama or Donald Trump. Both surged into office as unexpected candidates because they understood new power. They understood the connected crowd and how it could serve them in getting into office. You look to the great businesses of our times, the, the Facebooks, the Ubers, the Airbnb. They're all powered because those organizations are understanding that people want to feel more agency. They're giving people bigger roles to play. And because of that, they're creating this enormous value. And then you look at the social movements of our time. So you look at the Black Lives Matter or Me Too or Occupy Wall Street. The list goes on. In, in the last three years in America, we've seen the three biggest protests in modern history. Right. So there's something really interesting happening here around people mobilizing. And again, what people are understanding is how you get this cr- connected crowd serving your purposes. So what all this means, of course, for the healthcare world is uh, these dynamics which are impacting all of our worlds um, are are especially relevant, I'd argue, as we think about healthcare and medicine, uh, because there's almost nothing that people are more invested in than their own health. Um, Now, often they get invested in it too late, I know that, but uh, the 
the the great promise I think of 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 this generation from a healthcare perspective and from a medicine perspective is how could we get that connected crowd serving not only individual interests in terms of healthier, happier, fuller lives, but also social interests. How do we get that crowd making us a more flourishing society? And I think those are the kinds of questions I hope listeners to your podcast will be wrestling with. Mm. One of the first examples in your book was a medical one, um, talking about a Parkinson's patient who went and essentially crowdsourced the the way to, to manage their disease. Do you think there's something about the, I don't know, that really personal nature of medicine that makes it somewhere where this new power will be really sort of important? Well, I think, look, I don't think, I don't think this is a new dynamic, but I, but there's something, there's something new about how it's being activated that the people who are most, um, People, the people who for whom the stakes are highest will do the most, right? We know that forever. So you look at the medical community, some of the most interesting breakthroughs are coming from uh, parents of kids who have diseases or um, entrepreneurs in spaces who are w- working out how to hack the healthcare system. There was a something called Night Scout, which is for... Do you know about this? Yeah, the We Are Not Waiting movement. So um, Night Scout is... Um, part of it's a piece of technology or a piece of software really that was built by a group of parents and patients with type 1 diabetes um using completely open APS and completely sharing all the code which allows parents of children with type 1 diabetes to monitor their readings overnight remotely while they're asleep from their um from whatever kind of glucose monitoring device that they have or their pump um, but completely sourced by patients created by patients built by patients and parents um, and and involved taking apart all these devices that had been manufactured for them by these big companies and saying well these just don't do what we need them to do um, and they've even gone so far as creating an artificial pancreas um, and just really getting precision in in how they manage their their condition it's amazing yeah, so that's a good example. Thank you. I I I joined actually the Night Scout. They have a closed Facebook group for the parents, and I joined that as re- researching the book because I wanted to understand how these dynamics were playing out. And what is so interesting about that community is how supportive they are as each other in a way that like patients, like you know, you put a group of patients in a room together who are suffering from something similar, they have something to obviously to talk about and support each other. But what's so interesting about those kinds of communities from a new power perspective as you point out so so importantly they aren't just providing support for each other they've become an r&d function right they're actually doing the innovation in the space so they, there was a funny story i remember from that community about they essentially had gone to the the, the government in in the us and said look we, we, we want you to to work out how we should be regulated like we understand this is an issue right we understand where these are very serious matters help us solve for the fact we don't look like a typical organization and i think that was a really interesting the interesting there's two ways of thinking about stories like that um and many in many in the medical profession will, will take the first route which is kind of you know get out of my lane right a lot of people's response will be look this is dangerous it could go wrong you aren't experts this is all a disaster and like you would essentially discount non-expert activity is posture number one posture number two is all right sure there are some risks here but my job as a quote expert close quotes is to recognize if i have thousands of people who are going to have some good ideas and some bad ones but the amount of human capital i can have to deploy around the thing i'm supposed to be doing which is improving people's lives my job as an expert is actually to enter that community and make it stronger, not step back from that community and criticise it. 
And I think also it really challenges the idea of who is an expert. Like, you know, right. how is a, a parent of a child with type 1 diabetes or a patient with type 1 diabetes, how are they not experts in their own needs and issues and the problems that they need solving and that they need healthcare to help them solve? No, I really agree with that. And I think on that as well, that like we said, changes that power dynamic of the old school. Doctor knows all the answers. Doctor has all the power. Doctor tells you what to do. Patient goes away, does it without questioning. Doctor saves the day. Whereas now, Wikipedia, Google, patient forums, Twitter, you name it, everyone has got access to information. And I think actually the power shift now should be a lot more of the doctor engaging with the patient and leading them in the right direction of what the correct information is to empower that patient to own their own illness, disease, whatever is going on. But that's quite difficult to completely change the status quo. And it, it, it can make a lot of people who maybe went into medicine for a power dynamic quite mm. uncomfortable of, oh, well, you're questioning me. That's not how this is meant to go. So actually that leads really nicely into a question that I had um, when I was discussing this uh, interview beforehand with one of our patient and family leaders. And she said, I said, is there anything you'd like to ask Henry? And she said, I'd like to ask, how do people with old power make room and facilitate new power? Well, I think that's, I think that's the, 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 the critical question. And the answer is often they don't, right? The, the truth is what happens is people who have lots of old power when we first started talking about this work maybe four or five years ago you know there was still quite a lot of people just saying this doesn't really exist this is just twitter right this isn't a thing um and and that stopped almost everyone you talk to now is recognizing okay we, yeah, i get it there's just too many signals that something seismic is moving but what now happens is people will kind of eventually they'll concede that they should join twitter or that they'll once in a while do something participatory and the rest of the time they'll go back to their old ways they actually won't change themselves they'll they'll do some kind of new power stunt once in a while and so i think for for for, for people in old power um worlds and i think particularly we're talking about doctors right the first thing is to recognize how important old power is, right? There is a, a need for expertise and professionalism, which we can't afford to lose in this sector. And, and here's an example of what happens when we lose it, the anti-vax movement, right? Mm. So if you lose expertise and evidence and, and professionalism, something horrible goes wrong quick. But here's the challenge in that. The challenge in that is the anti-vaxxers are really actually doing pretty well with mobilizing people around their message in a way that health professionals aren't. So that's where new power kicks in. So the same doctor who knows that she's right because she has all of the evidence on vaccines now also has to work out how the community that she's a part of can be effective in mobilizing people around the vaccines campaign. So I think it's a combination of old power and new power. But I'd also say something else too, which is I think there's a uh, I think patients have to be part of the solution too. It's very easy to point the fingers at doctors. I mean, they're they're kind of easy, um, they're easy caricatures of old power, right? They're very distant, they write these illegible scripts, they know all the answers, they use all this Latin, right? They're kind of the perfect caricature of old power. But the patient who, you know, looks 20 minutes of Googling on the bus on the way to the GP, who then walks in and sees himself as a peer with someone who's been doing this for 20 years, there's something actually about patients which they have to say, okay, look, let's, let's be realistic here. Um, if you could become a medical expert based on google we, we'd have a lot more doctors than we do and they'd be a lot more effective and, and you just can't compete with that kind of experience so there is an imbalance in in knowledge and there is an imbalance in wisdom um 
there's more parity in, in information now but there's there's a big imbalance in wisdom and, and i think thinking about that is is an important quest, question for patients but then i think it becomes about having a kind of strengths-based approach so you know why why would we expect patients to be the same as the doctor or be able to take the same role but it's like recognizing what are the strengths of the old power and the expertise and the wisdom and the well actually you know what really helps is that you've got deep insight into your own experience but I've seen this 67 times before and I can bring different perspectives to you that might be less accessible and equally you can bring the perspective of your 3,000 peers on your patient forum and Facebook group that that I don't have access to but I think it's not just seeing it as as the same but like where are the strengths of the patient where are the strengths of the professional um, and also they're going to be different in different situations you know one of the strengths of the night scout movement and then we are not waiting is the amazing technological expertise of the people involved you know the coders and uh, the people developing the tech and you know um, doctors like to think we know everything about everything but personally I could not write a line of code <laughs> to, to save my life um, so you know it's it's that kind of strengths-based kind of openness like kind of collaborative approach I think we can really work with I have got a question from Twitter actually um, f- which follows on quite nicely it's from Manpreet Baines who actually is the founder of TEDx NHS And she says, what is the relevance of new power, old power framework when it comes to health, which we've sort of touched upon already, but I'd quite like to discuss the point of when it comes to system redesign, how do we take the NHS, which I think I would class as a castle in your Mm -hmm. descriptive terms, how do we try and enable that change, get a castle to become something Mm -hmm. different with the patients, with the doctors, with everyone that's involved in that big question <laughs> um the well Let's i fix the NHS yeah. yes One well it, it's easy i've got a three-point plan no yeah. um, well I, I think i probably strategic review would be the right answer and then yeah. and then some re- reorganization that's bound to work um the uh, well actually ted's a good example so if you think about ted for a minute the ted's actually have, uh, helps us understand these kinds of shifts so ted used to be this very closed up conference um which you know, a group of people went to. It had a great community, but it was it was like a, you know, it was a, it was an expensive paid conference, and people would go and 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 that was that. The big breakthrough for TED is they started to build new power models alongside their old power model. So they didn't actually flip the whole thing. They made a bunch of decisions, which increasingly opened up their universe. So the first was that they put all their talks online for free, and a bunch of people said, "Well, look, if you put talks online for free, no one will come to the conference." And of course, that didn't happen the bigger the talks got, the more prestigious the conference got. They then did this thing where they did open translation. So they let anyone anywhere translate TED Talks into languages that, that of their own, which became massive. And then they did TEDx, which is your TEDx NHS leader, <clears throat> which allows people like like her, yeah. her people like her, to, uh, to, to essentially become their own version, create their own versions of TED um, all around the world. And now there are countless, many, many, many multiple more TEDx talks than there are TED talks because they've essentially released control around the world and interesting ideas. So if you think about what TED did there, they added all these new power bits, right? So TEDx, all these people around the world, TEDx NHS is great for the TED brand. They they keep a a degree of control over it because they're quite thoughtful about who runs these things and how they're run, but it distributes power throughout our network. It lets other people take part. The weird thing about TED and the lesson here maybe for the NHS is the more their new power grew, the more their old power grew. It wasn't zero sum. So if you want to go to TED, you have to apply. It costs tens of thousands of dollars. You'll probably, they'll probably say no to you. 
I mean, I, I know well-heeled, influential billionaires in New York who spend six months worrying they're not going to get accepted to TED, right? It's as old power as it gets, the conference itself, but they've built this new power wing. So for the, so, so the analog then for, the, for, for health, <clears throat> I think, would be um, there are lots of old power things that just are too entrenched to change. The way to start changing them is to build around them and start these new models like the Night Scout model, like some of the work... Um, people like Helen Bevan is doing and the Horizons team, which start to actually scale these kinds of models and begin to build them. And then you essentially change the inside by the improvement of the outside. That, that's how, I, from a macro level, that's how I think about that. So there you said something that I think a lot of people don't get about this, which is that this balance between new and old power working together isn't a zero, zero sum thing. Do you, have you seen any other sort of common misconceptions about what, this sort of new power actually means? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is it's about social media. So that, that somehow, <laughs> and of course, because it's been driven to a large degree, a lot of this has been driven by social media. So I understand why that happens. But it's actually, it's, it's, it's not about reckoning with social media. It's about reckoning with your own power. And where things can get a bit zero sum is often you need to be prepared to make yourself a bit less powerful, right? You have all of these powerful figures now talking about empowering others. They very rarely talk about disempowering themselves, right? They very rarely talk about um, at the end of this transaction, I actually will be less powerful um, because I will have made more people more powerful. So that does become a bit zero sum. So I think that is, you know, as you as you essentially quote, give up close quotes, bits of control, you are giving power to other people. And I think so. I think I think reckoning with power rather than social media is the, is is the key place to start with this work. And then I think the other misconception is really this idea that somehow, and people get very nervous about this somehow that they're going to be washed away by the anarchic crowd and and all of those things and 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 that worries me because the response to that politically is to fall into the arms of the strongman right what actually happens is all of these kind of chaotic things happen everyone feels less powerful and instead of strengthening democracy at that point we weaken it at that point the strongman figure comes along whether it's trump in a america or or bolsonaro in Brazil or Erdogan uh, in, in Turkey or she in China. I mean, this goes on, right? Of all these strongmen we thought had disappeared, they're all doing super well now. One, one of the reasons they're doing so well is in response to the chaos, people are gravitating towards order. So one of the worries I have in general is actually that if, if we don't get those on the side of the angels getting good at new power, we cede not just sectoral territory, but actually democratic territory to people who are going to come along and promise all the answers. And in that context, I think, Healthcare, in particularly, I I would view um, as an exercise in, in democratic participation. Right? If you're part if you're part of a system, that system is working well. It connects you to other people. It helps other people have a voice. It makes us all come together. Does all of those good things which healthcare at its best can do. If we get all that stuff right, we we are strengthening our democracy too. One of the dangers of kind of the the great theme of our age is kind of anti-systemic outrage, right? One of the dangers is those systems are tied to our democracy. So the anti-systemic outrage actually becomes democratic outrage. And that is a real real worry. These institutions in our world really matter. I was going to say, you said there that, um, you know, you didn't feel like new power was about social media. It's, and having read some of your book now, it's, I don't know, I suppose in an NHS context, it reminded me of uh, like the labor movement, right. you know, the way people yeah. use power in that is just distributed in a different way. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's I think some of these so some of these dynamics are age old, right? So there are, 
you know, the top-down, bottom-up dynamics, peasant revolt. I mean, the list goes on, right? Um, so the question is, what's what's really different? And I think what's different is the uh, the speed and the scale of the way these changes can happen now makes things very different. So let me give you an example. If um, I grew up in uh, the 1980s in Exeter, in the, in the West Country. And so think about my opportunities to participate in the world right so if i wanted to learn about let's say i wanted to learn about um something medical let's say i wanted to learn i didn't want to learn about anything medical but let's say <laughs> let's say in a, in a in a different world i did if i wanted to learn um about the uh, you know the blood or something right i would go to the i would essentially go down to the reference library which in exeter very good reference library i'll get an encyclopedia or a book about blood and that would be what i'd learn about uh, and, and if i wanted to express my opinion on some medical issue I have essentially no route. I, I mean, what could I do? I, uh, no, no journalist is going to take anything I'm ever going to write. Uh, there are no podcasts. There are no radio shows. I literally wouldn't be able to participate in that world. I might be able to find some friend of my parents who's a doctor who would let, let me whisper on for half an hour. But my, my avenues for participation in the world were essentially very limited. And that was me growing up in a nice part of the country with um, you know, a relatively affluent upbringing, let alone a lot of people around the world who are disconnected both from technology and from some of the strengths of society in interesting ways. So cut forward now to the 17-year-old growing up uh, in Exeter and who is, let's let's say she is interested in her health. Think about the worlds of participation she can be a part of, com- contrasted to, to, to me. She, she can um, engage with the world's best doctors in meaningful ways. She has access to all of this information and uh, medical information. I would note she still doesn't have enough access to a lot of medical information, right? Huge amounts of information being gated for no apparent reason. And Our own medical information. Right, well. yes, good. I agree with that, right. My own information got lost, very sadly, all of my NHS. I remember this big pile of paper that at one point between Extra and London has just disappeared. So, like, my entire medical... And luckily, I don't think there's anything particularly standout. Um, I, don't, I don't think that was a loss to medical science, still. Um, I, took, I took it quite personally. Um, so, so she she has this world of participation that she can involve in this information, these people she can engage with, things that she can learn, things she can contribute, the people she can connect with. And what does that do? That isn't about Twitter, although some of it is, right, because you could end up connecting with interesting people. What it's really about is her expectation to participate. She enters the world thinking, not only do I have the opportunity to engage in these worlds, but I have this right to. So the, the big shift is not the, the top down and bottom of this forever the big shift is people entering the market with a mindset that they expect to participate so i i think that's really interesting and i think you know these opportunities for being participatory are, are really opening up in lots of ways and you, you write out lots of success stories and when this has worked really well and you've also warned about what happens when that leads to with this desire for the kind of plan and control and order because the uncertainty and complexity is quite frightening um, but what about when you, you feel like you are participating and you're being as participatory as you can and you feel like nothing's happening and all that, you still feel powerless. Yeah. And I'm kind of particularly thinking at the moment about Brexit, um, you know, and they're like, you know, the 5.9 million, whatever it is now, people who've signed this petition, uh, you know, lots of people trying to participate and trying to be involved in the process and it, it's still being very much withheld from them. Well, I think, I, I mean, I think the, the the danger with Brexit and things like it is if you do have people who are increasingly expecting to participate and you only let them participate 
very rarely you get these tea kettle moments, right? These explosions of participation, which push you to the extremes because people are having this desire to participate, but don't get that outlet. So you think about government and politics in particular, it's very hard to, okay, you can go to your local MP's surgery, wait in a long line, ask a question, maybe, right? We see potholes that don't get fixed on our roads. Um, you go onto government websites that don't really work. Like, I mean, there's all sorts of, the the, the feedback loops around, around um, government and politics are very bad actually in this country um and in fact around the world that's that's typically true around the world although there's some notable exceptions so so the, the problem with all that is that you end up in a situation where people just don't feel satisfied by political processes and then therefore they have these big surges of of outrage now in a way br brexit i know a lot of people um are feeling like you know it didn't work but a lot of people feel like it did Right. One of the problems with this, one of the problems of our age is we we are cast into these universes of like minded people who feel the same way and talk the same way. And, and actually, um, the, the 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 Remain campaign lost. Right. That wasn't a, that wasn't um, that wasn't a cheat. That wasn't a, um, a hoax. That wasn't a conspiracy theory. They, they lost. And I think we all have to inquire a bit more as to there's a difference between participating and winning. <laughs> Sometimes you participate and you lose. Mm. Um, and I think we've seen that just recently in the States, actually. I think the, 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 the Mueller investigation in the States, the whole universe of people had convicted Donald Trump of being a Russian agent. And, you know, a guy who was famously known for being the kind of straight shooter in America said, look, there's, there's not nothing to see here, but there isn't the, the, the grand conspiracy that people had suggested and again a lot of people participated who now feel that they lost the, the the problem is they then question the nature of participation in general and say well if i lose then i don't want to be a part of this i'm, I'm taking my ball and going home and i think i think one of our responsibilities now is actually even if we lose if the outcome is not what we wanted but it still um honors a democratic uh system i think that's 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 valuable um i think the real question actually for brexit was all those people who signed the petition this time around, I'm sure the regret that they have is where was I last time around, right? Actually, all the people, all of the the the, the people who were kind of assumed this was going to sail through, nothing to worry about, all of that mobilizable energy wasn't expended on on the Brexit campaign. It was too top down. It was too old power, right? The 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 Remain campaign was was too old power, and so I think there's a real lesson in that, which is like the, the thesis of the book is basically, you know, whoever mobilizes wins, and so whatever you care about, whether it's vaccination or it's staying in the European Union um, or it's making your community stronger whatever those that that is if you aren't good at this new power stuff um, you you just simply won't get the outcomes you need talking about the new power old power disengagement morale it's quite well documented that junior doctors ie uh, those who aren't consultants within the NHS, I've got an all-time morale problem. Everyone's fed up, burnt out. Um, really, I feel like that's talking about the generation of millennials, zennials, those sort of 23 to maybe 40. Mm -hmm. So you'll call people who are used to participating in real time. How much of this change do you think could be attributed to that morale issue with in regards to junior doctors well and i think it's bigger than junior doctors i think it's actually there's interesting data now and worrying data about 
isolation and anxiety and depression in young people. This, this is from the States. I don't know what the, the global trends are. The same thing, right? But, but in the States, that actually we people are feeling more. The weird thing about all this connectivity, we're all connected, but actually we're increasingly feeling disconnected. This is the, the great irony of our age is, is that is that. So, so why is that, right? What's happening here is, well, I, I don't know the answer, but here's a, here's a thesis. Um, the, I think one of the problems, one of the problems is that we all can validate our emotions, whatever they are, in heightened ways, right? So if you're super happy, you can find lots of super happy people to help inspire you. If you're not super happy, you can find lots of other super happy. If you're feeling burnt out, you can find communities of other people who are feeling burnt out too. And you can all very quickly add into these communities where you are both supporting each other in very positive ways, but also validating a sense of, of all of those those worlds colliding. And I think there's a real, there's a real kind of FOMO issue. There's a general sense of we, all of us now, spend our whole lives we used to just compare ourselves to celebrities right and that was fine because you know there was no there was genuinely no part of my life where i thought to myself okay i really i really am gonna you know um be kevin keegan right i, 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 I genuinely never thought excellent celebrity that, choice. That, that, well you know you've got me you've got to be careful with celebrity choices because they'll go so wrong especially that era um so kevin keegan i think he's all right yeah all right yeah, yeah. so 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 uh, you know i genuinely i looked up to kevin keegan but there was no part of me who thought you know I, I really should be doing as well as kevin keegan whereas now we all have people who are essentially our, are our peers and in some cases not just our peers but people who are junior to us mm-hmm. who are doing much better in very obvious ways and we're seeing this relentless stories of people like us who are doing better than us. And it, and people find it, and I, I get it, we, we all fall into this trap, but it's, they find it heartbreaking. So I think one of the interesting mental health questions actually now is around what, what we share and what we consume, because we all get sucked into the void of these social media things, and we know it's making us sad. Like, it, it, like selfies are making us sad. They really are. And like, so there's something quite, um, important i think to, to to deal with and one of the interesting one of the interesting health interventions that isn't much talked about is algorithmic mm-hmm. right so what what is the algorithmic implications for health in general because what we see is is who we are right so there's a big set of questions around that i think is coming next and i think the platforms are going to get battered from every side for for some good reasons actually because the the impact they've had both on democratic structures but also well-being is so significant and ultimately they're there for corporate interest whatever their language is they're serving corporate interest and if they if they are serving corporate interest at democratic and medical costs to society I, I, right yeah right i don't want i don't want to be on that board mm-hmm. like that you know that that's the because the world's going to come crashing down i guess yeah. i was going to say not all interaction though in that digital space is that kind of negative measuring yourself against someone no, I else. Um, I mean, I, just as a young gay person growing up, suddenly you find that there are other people like you, and that was incredibly self-empowering, I think. But maybe it's to do with the nature of how... So within those communities, and, you know, we've got a patient community that the BMJ sort of is peripherally involved with, um, and there's a very positive space of, of self-reinforcement and support. And is it to do more with the nature of that that interaction then? And, and maybe that's something we need to think about. It's a really important point. And actually, I think it's it, what one of the things we talk a lot about is this idea of structuring for participation. That actually, you, you need to create structures that create meaningful participation that is supportive of people and does lead to positive outcomes. And that, uh, you're absolutely right, can be done in some very meaningful ways. If you look in the health sector, Look at particularly uh, mothers, new mothers, think about breastfeeding groups, like all this kind of this huge amount of actually closed 
communities which are protecting people at times that they have sense of vulnerability like the the opportunity in that widows and widowers um, hospices like the list goes on of all these very positive outcomes um but but the question is are the people in charge of healthcare good at creating those communities and the answer is typically no right the communities that the communities um that have come about are coming organically in interesting ways and so the question i think becomes how does the old power encourage those new power communities to flourish and it won't be because they issue a 15 point plan with all their recommendations and they have a sub operating group who are in charge of you know community outreach it will be because they allow someone who's a part of their movement to engage on their terms and i think that's the promise and i just had one more thing on on the other thing about new power i think if you think particularly about um about marriage equality right and and so for for years an issue that was you know barack obama came to office saying he didn't think it was the right time for, for gay marriage, right? And yet, um, that moved very, very quickly. One of the reasons that moved so quickly was because old power, people have worked so hard on that issue for so many years. But another part of that story was actually the rise of new power, that actually that idea began to spread and to normalize so quickly compared to what the market thought it would do, certainly what Obama thought it would do. I think that's a very good example of actually the kind of very positive outcome you can get to when people start to participate and spread an idea, a pro-social idea in such a positive way. I just want to give an example of uh, where old power and new power are working really well in that way in healthcare. So there are various, as you said, um, breastfeeding support groups uh, and there are some for healthcare professionals in the UK. Um, and actually um, what there, there is a breastfeeding pharmacist and it's, that's, she's virtually the only person in the UK who knows about medications that are safe in breastfeeding and she gives really um, complex advice. Uh, and she has just kind of made herself available to this group of parents who are supporting breastfeeding and, and some healthcare professionals. And she's just like stepped into the community and said, how can I support you in a way that's helpful to you? And it, it's just working incredibly well. Um, so there's just all the things you've been talking about kind of in action in this one place. Will you show me some more information about that? Of course. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose that's that, as you were talking about earlier, giving up that power, giving up the gatekeeping power, perhaps, but at least, you know, giving some of that away to the, the people around you. But becoming more effective, right? I mean, that's the great promise here that this isn't a threat. It is a threat to people because it's going to threaten a lot of people's identities. But at the end of the day, if you can end up being much more effective, if, if you can make more people more well, right, that's surely the point. I mean that's 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 what victory looks like. So like, I think yeah. I think that's the the very positive thing about this is like the opportunity is there. This isn't going away. Um, you, if you can get good at it, you could both do more good in the world and live a more fulfilling life. Um, that seems like a thing of great promise. So I think the idea of resisting this, I think being sober about new power is very appropriate. I think being balanced about it is very appropriate. But I don't think the ostrich strategy is 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 is, is a good one. That's a great point to leave it on, I think. Um, Henry, thank you very much for joining us. And just briefly, um, for people who are interested in finding out more about this and understanding more about it, um, have you got some ideas of, of what people should do? Well, your yes. book, obviously. Well, no, I, well, actually, I, 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 was, I was not going to go with the obvious um, best-selling new power available. No, uh, the, uh, so the, the, one, of the, one of the most interesting things is actually the conversation which happens every day um, around new power. So hashtag new power. You will find a lot of people who are talking about new power and engaging with new power. And actually the most interesting insights we've had from anywhere have been from the health sector. So uh, the, one of my favorites is hashtag radi radiology chicks which is a group of female radiologists who create this kind of learning support network who not only have an amazing book club, do amazing peer support and kind of peer learning, but they also have the coolest swag you've ever seen. So that's my, my, tip, of the day, my tip of the day is uh, it's a hashtag new power and hashtag radiology chicks. 
And I think we should also plug the fact that um, your keynote that you're going to be giving later at the forum, uh, that video is going to be freely available on the website, you know, TED style, anyone can watch it. So do, you know, get a chance to see Henry in action later. You are listening to Henry Timms, author of New Power. That's it for this episode, but we'll be back soon with more from the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare, specifically about making work joyful. So subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from so you don't miss out on that. If you've subscribed already, thanks. It'd be great if you can rate and review us. It helps keep us up the podcast charts so other people can find us too. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor for the BMJ, and until next time, goodbye.